you know, you really got to learn, uh, you know, what are your limits? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, start being just a little uncomfortable and working your way up from there and, you know, design your life the way you want it. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today, I'm bringing to you another fantastic guest. I'm super excited about this conversation. Uh, I'm bringing to with you John Rickgarn. John is from Marshall, Minnesota. And we're going to find mm-hmm. out where Marshall, Minnesota. I know probably most <laughs> of us know where Minneapolis is or something like that, right? Minneapolis, yep. St. Paul, but I think Marshall is, is something uh, different from that. So we're talking about Marshall, Minnesota. He's an investor. He's an educator. He's a realtor. And he helps the average person build multiple diverse streams of passive income. And oh yeah, by the way, pay less in taxes. I love that yeah. part. <laughs> We're always trying to look for ways to pay less in taxes. He's a fellow podcaster. Uh, I was actually on his podcast uh, a month or two ago, maybe earlier this year. Uh, March, I think it was. Yeah, March, March. Yeah. which was a which was a a fun conversation that we had back then. So I'm super excited to have him on today. His his podcast is the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast and we'll give him an opportunity to talk about that here in just a little while but for now john welcome to the show hey thanks for having me on randy it's great to be here yeah as i mentioned we mentioned we met uh it's hard to believe it's been two years ago in yeah <laughs> no, yeah. no kidding and the uh wonderful country of belize right in a real estate guys event but for mm-hmm. those of, uh, listening that don't know much about you right give us a little bit of color tell us a little bit about john and where you're at, where you're from. I know I told everybody Marshall, Minnesota, but yeah, a little bit yep. more about yourself. All right. Well, yeah, I can uh, probably start with Marshall. Uh, not a lot of people have heard of it. I joke of, you know, hey, it's the uh, uh, founding place of Schwann's Ice Cream and Red Baron Pizza with Schwann's uh, Shared Services, started by Marvin Schwann's many, many years ago. Uh, that usually gets people's attention. I still kind of remember uh, 20 years ago, I was actually visiting some friends in Indiana and uh, uh, Roy was like, Marshall, 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 why does that name sound familiar? And not 30 seconds later, a Schwann's truck drove up right in front of their house with Marshall, Minnesota. I like, that's where I've heard it from. (laughs) But um, yeah, uh, logistically, I always just tell people because nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, you're by St. Paul or Minneapolis. Like, uh, no, that's about a three hour drive. Uh, I'm about 60 miles from the North Dakota, or excuse me, South Dakota border, 60 miles from the Iowa border for uh, logistics. Uh, my general background, and like you alluded to, uh, you know, going back, I actually did the quote unquote traditional path, you know, go to school, get good grades, or try to get good grades, maybe uh, get a job, you know, work hard, get benefits, you know, save for retirement, yada, yada, yada. And 2014 was really kind of my epiphany or wake up moment, I guess, where I was 31 years old and I, uh, you know, there's a bigger story behind that, but basically I was, remember sitting on my couch, it was November of 2014. And I just thought I'm 31 years old. If I was to essentially relive my entire life 
And obviously we don't remember when we're, you know, six months old, obviously, but relive my entire life. And during that time working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, still would not be at the arbitrary retirement age of 65. I'd be 62 then. And then it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, well, what's to say I'm going to make it that long? Uh, my backstory, um, I kind of coined the hashtag, do not defer your life where my parents passed away in their 50s of cancer. Uh, my dad, when I was 11, my mom was uh, 16. So just, you know, did the traditional path, just kind of woke up. It was like, what's the point of working this hard, deferring everything in life for an arbitrary date that isn't even guaranteed going to be there? So that's when I started my path of, you know, there's got to be something else out there. Um, and then I did a deep dive into podcasts just like this one, uh, books like I see on your back shelf, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've read that numerous times. And then just kind of started working on building, uh, you know, additional streams of income. And then also wanting to share and educate others uh, what I did, my work for them, and even just learn from my mistakes. So like, hey, instead of wasting your time, you know, three years doing investment X, this is my experience, go do something else. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I don't know if I knew this. And if I did, I, I apologize for not uh, acknowledging it earlier. As far as your parents, mm -hmm. I, we've got a similar story with that background. Did, did, were you aware of that, that we have? That I was not, no. Both of my parents, <laughs> that was kind of my awakening as well. Uh, okay. I've lost both of my parents to cancer as well. My mom was a month before she turned 50. And my oh, dad was, was six months before he was supposed to, quote unquote, retire. The same yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah. 65. He was just turning. Uh, he was just turning 65. And so that was that was were big epiphany wake up calls for mm -hmm. me as well. So I didn't uh, realize that was part of your background and your story as well. So that's, uh, you know, I'm sorry for that. Right. That loss. I, I can completely uh, sympathize with that. Mm -hmm. So but that's interesting that that's. Uh, part of, of both of our our backgrounds and our story yeah yeah that lovely uh c word has definitely impacted a lot of people and i always kind of chuckle when i hear financial advisors like oh do x y you know a b c d and when you get to age 65 then you can live your best life and like they should probably change that talk track to if you make it to 65 i'm guessing they lose a fair amount of clients doing that <laughs> i think so too which is why i'm super excited to dive into this conversation because the the amount of wisdom you gained uh, through the readings, through the coachings, through the teachings, through the events, through all that stuff, right? That's the whole idea mm -hmm. is bring it and educate, right? Folks to yep. realize that there is a different way. There is a potentially better way. Uh, mm -hmm. Not maybe necessarily one's good or bad, but at the same time, there's definitely a different way that if folks right. become aware of it, then they can uh, potentially take a different path, which is exactly mm -hmm. what we're for sure. Exactly. So for sure. So let's dive into the three questions. I okay. uh, shared these with you uh, yesterday. And so yep. hopefully you'll you be prepared. I'm sure you are. They're I wrote them, tough. I think, uh, 1030 last night before I went yeah. to bed. So hopefully they're still in my mind. <laughs> they're not too tough, but just uh, there again, to get everybody a little bit more of uh, an insight into who you are okay. and how you think and how you operate. Uh, but the first okay. one is who's had the biggest and greatest influence on your life? Um, I could probably come up with a laundry list of that. But I'd, if I had to pick one, it would probably be my uncle Ralph. It was actually my dad's brother. He kind of became a second dad to me and just had a lot of wisdom, was very, um, how do I put it, just kind of cool, calm, relaxed for everything. Like even when he got diagnosed with cancer, he was just like, okay, I mean, life happens. What do I do now? What are the next steps? I mean, he didn't get, you know, angry about it or upset. I mean, it was just 
I guess, kind of roll with the punches. And I always liked uh, talking to him where he was very, very much an independent thinker. He was, uh, could kind of really see both sides of, you know, both sides of the coin, if you will, you know, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad always says, you know, there's uh, two sides and then the edge, you know, whether it was, you know, politics or social issues or social norms, even he was, uh, while he was a college professor, he really, how do I put this, really kind of stressed the obstacles for a lot of people at college and acknowledged college isn't for everyone. He said this as a college professor, you know, sometimes the stress gets so uh, hard. He actually uh, wrote a book, uh, Perspectives on uh, College Student Suicide, where there was a huge uh, spike in suicides, you know, just, of uh, you know, the pressure, whether it was, you know, financial, mental from parents, where they're like, you know, you got to get an A, you got to become a doctor, you got to do this. And he really kind of said, you know, yes, for some college might be the best years of their life, but some it's the worst and sometimes it takes a toll. So I... I still struggle with that. I try to be very open-minded where, okay, I might firmly believe in this side of the issue, but let's try to listen to the other side and, you know, gain some perspective. So again, at age 40, I still struggle with that, but I kind of look at where he was able to do that. It's like, well, maybe I can just, you know, uh, glean some wisdom from him and look at both sides of any, of everything. That's it's challenging to do that. I try to do that yeah. myself. One thing that I talk about and I share with my kids or anybody else I talk to about this type of thing, as far as being aware of or being paying attention to people that are certain about a particular topic, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That it's 100% has to be this way. Yeah. That is, I've learned through my years of experience that when you come across folks that are certain about something like that <laughs> to the point where they're willing almost to die for their ideas yeah. or beliefs that like, mm, that's where you need to kind of just step aside. It's like that three sided yeah. coin, like you talked about, right? Heads, tails, yeah. and the edge. Uh, it sounds like your uncle was this for you as far as giving mm -hmm. you the ability to kind of think through that a little bit differently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, there, like I said, we had numerous conversations over the years and, you know, a lot of memories and just where he was, like I said, just kind of very cool, calm, relaxed, regardless of what, you know, life threw his ways where right, wrong, or different. I tend to get my dad's uh, temperament might, uh, you know, lose my temper or blow my handle from time to time. And he was the exact opposite. So it's like, well, there might be some genetics in play that I can't overcome. <laughs> that's cool. Sounds like a very good, good influence on you. So that's awesome. Yeah. So moving on to question number two, what has been the biggest challenge of your life? And what have you learned from that, John? Well, um, I'm actually going to take a sidestep and I can think of two moments in my life. So I would say the, the first biggest challenge was when my mom passed away at age six or when I was 16, I was born an only child. So at that point, not to discredit my dad or anything, but it's like when he passed away when I was 11, it was kind of a blessing. You know, we weren't at the hospital months and months on end. It's like, all right, I still got my mom. Life is quote unquote normal. Uh, don't have to worry about, you know, treatments or medicine or, you know, up the wazoo. So it was sad, but it wasn't as life changing. But then when my mom passed away, it's like, okay, well, I'm an only child. Now, what do I do? And long story short, there's a family in uh, my hometown of Slayton, Minnesota, uh, even smaller than Marshall, <laughs> just to the south of here. Uh, they took me in as one of their own. And Looking back, it's like, okay, it was definitely a very struggle, you know, it was a big struggle at that time. But then with that, then became a uncle, you know, had nieces and nephews, became a brother. So it was like, uh, really opened up to 
a larger family, I guess you'd say. So yes, it was the biggest challenge in my life, but yet looking back, it's like, wow, I wonder where, wonder where I'd be now if it wasn't for uh, that moment in my life, so to speak. So you were able to, did you consider them as, as your family then? I mean, yeah, that, that's, yeah. The, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of funny. My youngest niece, Jade, uh, she was three when I moved in. So she actually doesn't have any memories of when I wasn't around. I just was always Uncle John. I was always there and whatnot. And kind of looking back, it's like, okay, now I feel old because now she has a daughter that just turned three, which is the same age as when I moved. Like, okay, I'm old now. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of a funny backstory. And just obviously, like I said, a larger uh, family got introduced to what's all, uh, what's available versus, you know, just being an only child. Yeah, for sure. So, you said there was possibly two. Did you have another one there? Yeah. So there's a second one. So with my, uh, like my backstory before I got into real estate investing, et cetera, um, I spent 12 years selling uh, copiers and printers. So I was on the road a lot, sold a lot of technology products and, you know, had a number of good years where I made, you know, six figures or close to six figures. And the last company I worked for, we were part of an acquisition, uh, they were employee owned. So they're an ESOP or stock ownership plan. So, and every year it's like, yep, you earned X, here's the profit share. Here's how much the shares are worth now. Uh, just seeing that balance go up and up, hearing of others that had six and even seven figures in their account, it's like, oh man, this is this is it. I'm home. I'm going to be here till I quote unquote retire. I'm just going to have this big bucket of money and whatnot. And I'll still never forget the day uh, I was driving uh, east on 212, delivering a machine for one of my customers, Citizens Alliance Bank, when our service tech Norb called me up and it's like, yeah, did you hear the news uh, from the video? I'm like, well, no, I've been on the road all day. I'm not going to pull up a video on my phone or whatnot. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's from the CEO. They sold the company. So then the ESOP went away. They uh, sold to a private equity company, which, if you know anything about private equity, if they can squeeze blood from a penny, they will do that and then some. And by comparison, so with the ESOP and then in conjunction with how they changed the commission plans from 2015 to 2016, my uh, compensation got cut in half. Mm-hmm. And then also had the higher stress, you know, just micromanaging up the wazoo. It was, I mean, it was just kind of insane of what was required at some times and stuck it out for another, you know, four years at that point, I left in 2019. But while that was a big challenge, that was a big, you know, rug pulled out from under me, I thought, okay, I envisioned this huge ESOP balance of seven figures, uh, you know, retiring, uh, that's gone, not coming back. Um, but if it wasn't for that extra push to, you know, get me into entrepreneurship, real estate investing, uh, calling my own shots, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that, I probably still would be working 60 hours a week, have more gray hair than I have now, and probably be, uh, pretty unhealthy and miserable at the time. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, I kind of bring up those two moments where obviously for different, uh, perspectives were the worst moment of my life, but in a sense, you know, I think there's always like a silver lining or, you know, there's always good aspects that you can look at where they were defining moments and really changed my life in the end for the better. That, that part of your story resonates with mine similarly as well, meaning private equity took over. Yep. I was in retail and yep. private equity came in and bought the company I was working for. And I had intended to retire there as well. I, I mean, yep. I had no intentions to move on. I was, I worked a lot, 
but yeah. I, I didn't have it. I was okay with that. Right. Meaning it was, I enjoyed the work, you know, as much as you can enjoy your job. Right. I actually right. enjoyed yeah. what I did and private equity came in and like you said, stripped it. Oh yeah. And just squeezed every nickel that they could get out of it. Yeah. Closing my store, which, Ugh. you know, if anybody's heard my story, I won't get into it today because it's about you today, John. But at the same time, yeah, it, that was exactly how it went for me as well. It was a huge wake up call thinking that your your life is going this one direction. And then it's just almost like a, a complete <laughs> yeah. 180. Right. Yeah. And, and you got me into a brick wall pretty much. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, so I yeah, that that's part of your story resonates with me hundred percent. as wow. well. That's yeah, that's fascinating. I, I didn't know that about that about yourself as well. So moving on then to the third question, and I love getting into this third question because it kind of, uh, and you've already touched on a few things, you know, back in your childhood uh, mm-hmm. that might've, that's definitely had a, a big impact on your life and even in your early uh, working career. But if you could go back to your, I always say 20 year old self, but I mean that, that let's say the teenage, teenage to early sure. 20 year old self that you you know now, right? You you mentioned that you're yeah. in your forties. You've got a young son now, and and just life, right? You've learned a yeah. lot. Is there anything you wish you would have known back then that, or wish you could share with yourself back then that you do that you know now that you would have definitely changed? Um, I think probably the biggest thing I wish I could have done is, and I mean, grand, you know, when we're teenagers, we always do stupid things. But if I could talk to myself of just really honing in of you know, hey, younger John, just remember, you know, your parents didn't make it to retirement age. So not to make it sound morbid, but it isn't guaranteed you're going to make it to that. And while I probably wouldn't have talked myself of working, you know, not working as many hours as I did, Sam Supervalue, delivering papers, mowing lawns, all the side hustles I did, of, hey, there's this thing called passive income, where if you put your money uh, to the side, and whether it's a, a stock, a uh, book royalty, uh, you know, real estate investment, whatever, you know, having additional passive income streams versus just active income streams really is the way to get uh, more time freedom and more financial freedom. So that'd probably be the biggest thing I'd hone in on my younger self, even though at that time, probably like, what's a stock? What's a real estate investment? You know, hang on, I got to go download some stuff on Napster. You leave me alone. <laughs> Hundred percent. So if so, at this time of this recording, we're getting ready actually for the school year, the new school year to, to be kicking back up, right? I'm seeing posts of friends with kids in college age years. Uh, my yeah. kids are actually a little bit beyond that stage, but at the same time, that twenties ish time frame. Can you think of uh, like a resource? Or I know you educate, right, with your podcast mm-hmm. and what you try to do. We've talked about how we uh, have gone the turnkey model with the yeah. uh, real estate investing, right? We, maybe we can talk a little bit about that, but is there any type of, uh, if someone comes to you and says, John, okay, I hear what you're saying, but what do I do? Where do I get started? Is there sure. anything that you usually start with folks with to, to learn a little bit more about what to do with the passive income versus the uh, active income part of life? Yep. Uh, usually the, well, the biggest thing is I first say, you know, educate yourself and find out like what really resonates with you. And you know, then usually the next topic comes up is like, okay, how or where do I start? And, you know, whether it's a turnkey, you know, especially now at the time of this recording way of, you know, rising interest rates, more of 7% versus, you know, three, 4% like you and I, when we bought our properties, a little bit more of a challenge, but then I just, you know, look at, it's like, you know, start to think creatively. And uh, I always started doing this kind of, uh, financial freedom one bill at a time. So I always take this one uh, 
a little more granular, if you will. So a lot of quote unquote gurus say, oh, 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, $15,000 a month, you know, that's your number. That's the number of you know, passive income or whatever the number is. And for myself included, and I think a lot of people, they're just, well, you know, that's just a huge hurdle. That's more than I make at my W-2 job. You know, that's just insurmountable. I'm not even going to try doing that. So I try to look at, can we break this down farther? And I always joke, right, wrong, or indifferent, regardless of the state of the economy, everyone seems to have a Netflix subscription. I can't give up Netflix. I can't miss uh, Orange is the New Black or whatever the new series is. All right, so that's, you know, let's just say $15 a month. Can you find a passive income stream that pays you $15 a month? And then that pays that one bill. And once you have that set up, it's like, okay, that's one bill in my life that's paid for by passive income. What's the next one I can do? And then you kind of work yourself uh, up from there. Over the years, I've invested in, you know, stocks that pay dividends. I've done uh, platforms like Realty Mogul and Fundrise that pay either monthly or quarterly distributions. I invested in trust deeds through Ignite Funding, where a little bit higher bar barrier to entry, but they have a minimum investment of $10,000, which, you know, might be a lot for some, but it isn't like 50000 or or 100000 for like some syndications. So I just kind of always bring that up as, you know, just, you know, work backwards. What are your set monthly bills? You know, yes, let's take a little bit of the Dave Ramsey approach. Are there any some, are there some that you can eliminate? Do you need a, a Hulu, a Disney Plus, an ESPN, an HBO Max, a Paramount, et cetera, all these subscriptions? Can we cut some of those back? But once we have it down to, uh, no, these are kind of the base set uh, monthly subscriptions or payments I have every single month. Okay, now we have that. Work it backwards where you find a uh, passive income stream to pay off every single bill. And, you know, it sometimes starts small, but then can definitely snowball from there. Yeah. So the, uh, I talk about that, right? So once again, the certainty that Dave Ramsey's hundred percent wrong or, <laughs> you know, the rich dad, poor dad, the real estate guy, you know, whatever. It's almost like a blend, right? You almost yeah. need to have, especially at the beginning, because that's what mm -hmm. I did, right? You'd start eliminating all the all the waste, yeah, I call it waste, right? All the things that aren't necessarily serving you, cut that, get as lean as you possibly can with your expenses, right? And then just start bolting on different streams of income. And you mentioned a yeah. few there, and then some of those I, I wasn't even familiar with that you're going to have to, I'm going to have to pick your brain after this again, and maybe sure. you can, can fill me in on some of these other streams, <laughs> right? But you didn't start bolting on, right? And little by little, sure, slowly but surely, you're going to get to this, this freedom number that, yeah. uh, gives you the option. It's almost like an option. You can keep working or you don't have yep. to. And that's when mm -hmm. the, the fun part of doing things that you choose to do versus being right. told what to do, being in control exactly. of your expenses versus your expenses being in control of you, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I even look at that too, where you, know, you mentioned Dave Ramsey, and I, I know you and I are, you know, similar wavelengths where, you know, Dave just looks at all debts is bad and there's no such thing as good debt, live debt free, et cetera, et cetera. I joke, it's pretty much impossible to do that now considering every dollar bill has Federal Reserve note written on it, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, but, you know, not all debt is bad. There's definitely good debts. You know, I just look at it, okay, yes, I'm taking out debt at whatever, five, six, 10%. And yes, there's interest associated with that. But can you take that or take those proceeds from the debt 
put in a turnkey investment, a syndication, whatever, earn 10, 12, 15% or more. And then you have the concept of arbitrage. You're borrowing at whatever, 5%, you're investing at 10%, you're making a 5% spread. In that context, when you're asked how much debt you have, the answer should be as much as you can get. <laughs> so I know Dave's very much, you know, eliminate all debt, but, you know, debt does have its advantages. And again, kind of going back to where my uncle tried to tell, teach me of just, you know, no one's 100% right on everything. Try to look at both sides. And even from there, you know, see what works out best for you. I know there's, I think one person put it, don't remember verbatim, but it was basically, if you look at Dave Ramsey, uh, his views on debt is like a recovering alcoholic on alcohol. So yes, it might just be <laughs> one drink or one beer or one wine, but that could spiral out of control. So yes, I can see some instances where people have no financial education, no self-restraint, whatever. Okay, maybe in your particular instance, that makes sense. Likewise, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Ken McElroy, and other people and others we've met and, you know, talked to, like you said, back in Belize, them getting a $100 million loan for a multifamily property, I mean, that would give me a stroke. But for them, it's uh, just business as usual. So, you know, you really got to learn, uh, you know, what are your limits? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? you know, starts being just a little uncomfortable and working your way up from there and, you know, design your life the way you want it. 100%. So folks, that last little chunk there, that that was gold. And I want to kind of revert back. I want to put the rewind on there. I want to tie into one word that you mentioned, right? Because that was the word that was going off in my mind, which was arbitrage. Mm -hmm. And that's something that for me personally, I didn't know what that was or what that meant uh, when I was first in my experience of learning investing, how to make money versus earning money, which is something right. that I talk about, right? So it's the idea of, of using the tool, debt is a tool, yep. borrow the, the tool to put it into an investment mm -hmm. that has utility, that's going to yep. spit out a higher return than what you borrowed at. That mm -hmm. is arbitrage. So you yep. used the, the simple example of borrowing. I mean, I, rates are different these days, right? Yeah, just, I, I just give us math. quick numbers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, simple math. I mean, if you can borrow at five and invest in something that's going to give you a 10% return, that 5% is your profit. That's your, mm -hmm. you are making, quote unquote, making money at that point. Yep. And like you said, when you can find something that will do that day in and day out, it's like, how much do you want? And it's like, as much as you'll give me. Exactly. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard Russell Gray go through that was was kind of when the light bulb went off for myself yeah. when he was explaining that and hopefully i i and you did a great job and hopefully i with that little bit of a, a context there as well will help some folks that are listening but the idea that if you can take an investment take some take a tool mm -hmm. at, at a certain percentage rate even if it's a high percentage rate if you can get above that that gap that that spread yeah that's your profit right and that's where mm -hmm. the beginning of where you can start building some freedom and some wealth in your life Exactly. Well, and I, and, uh, you know, you mentioned my intro where I introduced myself as an investor, obviously I've been investing in various alternative assets for almost a decade now and the traditional ones for over two decades now. Um, I educate people on what I've learned, but I'm also, uh, uh wear a realtor hat where it's nice to have the MLS listings. I don't need a bug, an agent of, Hey, give me info on this property, this property, this property, this search, et cetera. But I, you know, I try to set myself apart from all the other agents, you know, in the area and 
I'd even say nationwide, where not a lot of agents themselves invest in real estate. Not a lot of them understand all the nuances and tax benefits. They're more of, oh, you're looking for a 2,000 square foot home, four bed, three bath, uh, within a mile of a good school district, and uh, 1970s builder, whatever their criteria is. They're like, okay, but, 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 okay, here you go, here you go, here you go. I try to bring it up. It's like, hey, did you know if you can't afford a big down payment for a house, which a lot of people are struggling with, you know, there's a thing called FHA. There's, you know, if you're a veteran, there's VA benefits, you know, as low as 0% down. And they still might look at, it's like, well, yeah, but rates are 7% and then my monthly payment's X and I think I might just keep renting, et cetera. It's like, well, what if you got a duplex with an FHA loan, three and a half percent down, you live in one side, rent the other. Now you're subsidizing essentially, or your tenant is subsidizing your mortgage payment. Fast forward a year or two, then you decide to you know, do equity stripping as Russell Gray always talks about, you know, refinance uh, the unit you lived in, you move, uh, put in a tenant. Now you have two cash flowing units in your portfolio. Maybe you rinse and repeat. Maybe you get a, a single family home for yourself then. Maybe you get another duplex or a lot of people don't know this, but with FHA and VA loans, uh, you can get up to fourplexes and live in one unit, rent out the other three. And by that point, you might actually be living rent-free while your tenants pay your mortgage. So it's just kind of those creative um, nuances that I'm surprised not a lot of agents and even investors don't know about. And granted, myself, I didn't know about that years ago. I wish I did when I bought our house back in 2006, but that's, you know, I can't go back in time. Yeah, 100%. So it's a matter of just understanding that that's even a, a possibility or that's even mm -hmm. an option is has been when I have conversations with folks it's like they don't even realize that that's even an option really right. as far as like the, the thought process we haven't been taught those things and if mm -hmm. we haven't had the influences like you mentioned about your uncle or, or even family members that have kind of shared that with us as we've gotten older we kind of just go through the motions of okay I'm supposed to like you said go to school yeah get, get my job you know, raise my family, buy my house, live in my house, keep my job mm -hmm. until I'm quote unquote 65. All of those yep. things that we've been fed that I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that mm. there's options. Right? Yep. <laughs> once you learn the options, you can then yeah. make, make those choices, right? So it's a matter of just learning what those are. So if folks are coming to you and like I mentioned, I, my kids are in their twenties, right? And they're trying to figure mm -hmm. this out for themselves. They're currently renting they're, they're stacking capital, right? But sure. with the ideas of the FHA, because of the things that I've learned, right? We're talking, we're having these conversations um, about the different options that they've got for investments and mm -hmm. that type of thing. Is there anything you mentioned about the FHA options? Is there anything else like that in terms of real estate? Just maybe the normal folks, the folks that are just kind of going through the motions that maybe you're, you're kind of sending off some some alarm bells in their head. Okay, maybe I need to sure. check that out. Is there is there programs and stuff that, that like that that can help for sure? Yeah, there's a yeah, you know, like I mentioned, the FHA and VA are probably uh, two of the most popular, and I bring them up because in the you know finance world, a fourplex, you and I, and probably anyone's going to say, oh, well, that's a that's multifamily. It's more than one unit. Where technically in the banking world, five or above for units is considered commercial for and under single family. It's a little bit of a paradox in my opinion, but at the end of the day, you can get a nice uh, 30 year fixed, uh, you know, relatively low interest rate loan on a up to a four unit of, uh, complex, live in one unit, rent out the other three. 
uh, like I mentioned before, you know, we are in a rising rate environment and, you know, there's some buyers that are, you know, a little scared of the, you know, mortgage payments of 7% interest versus, you know, 4%. Uh, some are kind of on the sidelines. Sellers, on the other hand, are like, well, I like to move, but I don't want to get rid of my 2.875% interest rate or anything like that. But there's other avenues as well. Um, a lot of people are still surprised that uh, last I checked, over a third of the homes in the nation are actually fully paid off. There's no mortgages, mm -hmm. there's no liens or anything. So what if you're able to do a seller financing? Maybe, uh, you know, an elderly couple, they're looking at selling. Uh, maybe they would be exempt from capital gains, but maybe they've been there so long that they would be subject to some capital gains. Uh, they could set up a seller back or seller financing, you know, called a, you know, contract for deed here in Minnesota. It's called other variants in other states where you're basically paying the seller, the seller's acting the bank and versus getting, here's a lump sum of take your, you know, take your pick $500,000. Uh, I'm going to pay you a monthly payment of X, and that can be structured however you want. That can be principal only. That can be lower interest. Um, again, it kind of comes back to educating both the seller and the buyer, where the seller might be like, oh, I want as much interest as I can. Okay, do you understand interest is taxed at your highest marginal tax rate? What are your other avenue streams? Is this going to be taxed at 30%, or do you want a structure where you're getting more principal only in a bigger balloon payment? Do we need a structure differently of okay, we have up to $500,000 that is exempt from capital gains. You're sitting on a, let's just say $550,000 gain. That $50,000 would be subject to capital gains tax. Do we want to spread that out? So the tax, you know, maybe not gone away, but it's uh, spread out over a number of years and maybe even keep it under your standard deduction to make it truly tax-free. And again, I know I'm kind of rambling. I'm not a you know, if anyone from the SEC is listening, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a CHLU or any of those other acronyms. This is just stuff I've learned over the last 10 years where I like sharing with others. It's like, you know, there are a lot of options out there to get into real estate, uh, get the benefits of real estate, and certainly more options than just getting a traditional loan or buying, you know, a single family first time home buyer building. Yeah. So, Folks, if you can't tell, John is is full of wisdom in the terms of real estate, right? So you well, are full right? of something. At least my wife no, will it's say great. it's great stuff, and I, I'm digging it, right? But because you're speaking my language, you're you're speaking down the path that I've gone down to teach myself these things. And the point that I wanted to try to make is that getting folks like you on their team, right, mm -hmm. to be successful in real estate or any type of business, because real estate is nothing more than a business, right? That to get the right people on the bus or on your team is crucial. Mm -hmm. And having someone with the knowledge and the experience that you've got, John, is, is going to be exponentially greater at the end of the day than trying to figure all this out on your own. And that's what right. I've never learned of myself, right? Is that when I've always tried to go on my own, I've either messed it up and gone backwards yep. or else it's taken 500 times longer than it should have <laughs> yep. than if I just would have called the right person. It's like you're talking about the seller financing. Sometimes mm -hmm. that can get a little wonky in, in, in your head as far as like, how do I do that? What do I do? Right. Right? But if you've got someone that you can call or, or to be in communications with and saying, okay, here's what I have. Here's what the mm -hmm. seller's willing to do. Uh, we almost did that, or we were in the process. My wife and I are, uh, were looking at a, a wedding venue space or an event space. And the, oh, and, okay. the, and the owners were looking at seller financing. We were going through that process back and forth with the negotiations. But I was taking that information and I was bouncing it off of somebody else that was helping me 
figure out the negotiation points, right? My point is, is that had I not had that person on my side, we would not have been able to have a, a, a high level conversation to be able to determine if it was going to be a good deal or a bad deal for, for both right. of us. So that teammate or that team aspect of, of investing, I think is crucially important. Mm-hmm. And would you agree with that? No, I agree. Yeah. And like I said, there's uh well, the old adage, there's no I in the word team. And I think we need to surround ourselves uh, people that are smarter with uh, than us. And like I mentioned a few things, I picked up a, a number of golden nuggets on taxes and estate planning, et cetera. But at the same token, you know, we hire a CPA firm to do all our taxes and give us some feedback of, hey, if you do ABC or, um, you know, another tangent I can go on. We uh, meet at late, usually around November of each year where we kind of look at the numbers and Long story short, it's here's how much you have in your AGI. Here's how much you have in depreciation. Uh, you are $10,000 below the $125,000 level to get full depreciation offset your W-2. So you can do a conversion of $8,950 of your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA without paying any taxes. And um, again, I just went down another rabbit hole on that phase. But uh, again, it comes back to a team where I don't have to sit through and become a CPA or become an accountant. I don't have to go to law school and learn everything about uh, trust and deeds and everything. You know, I have an attorney that I, you know, contract on does, you know, helps with the LLCs, the filing, et cetera, et cetera, where, you know, again, you're kind of outsourcing some of the, uh, I want to say, I don't want to say trivial stuff, but stuff that I'm not an expert in to someone that is an expert. And, you know, more than one minds working together is going to be better than just a single mind working together. Hundred percent. So part of that that tax strategy or those tax ideas is it, once again, I didn't realize this, but when you're a W two employee, then taking your your their tax money before you even see a dime of it, right? Yeah. Versus once you step onto this entrepreneurial side and this investing side, you're in control. You get uh-huh. this, you get to decide where your dollars go to, right? You yep. get your income from whatever investment you're in, whether it's real estate, your business, other investments that you mentioned, right? You get your dollars and then yep. you decide based on feedback from your teammates, from your CPAs, from your lawyers, from your different folks, right? Your real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Then you decide where to allocate your funds to try to minimize those taxes. As I mentioned in the, in the beginning part of your bio, right? That's kind of your, your thing is you love right. trying to help folks try to minimize that tax burden. Yeah, yeah. But and that's I, the difference. Should, yeah, it's probably just best if I legally reduce your taxes, yes. not pull a Wesley Snipes and wear an orange jumpsuit and making uh, big rocks turn to little rocks or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> we are we at Rich Mind and then with Wealth and Freedom Nexus, we are 100% about legality, right? We're doing everything yes. <laughs> above board. We're doing everything legal, but we're doing it through folks that have the credentials, right? Have mm-hmm. the experience and have the educations to go and do this legally. Yes. But it's one thing that, that uh, if you're not digging into it and trying to learn about it, it's just not mainstream with folks Mm -hmm. who even understand and comprehend what that is. So it's like uh, the Fannie and Freddie. Uh, So that, so we're throwing around a lot of terms here, folks. And so bear with us and I'm going to try to uh, explain this as best I can. So the Fannie and Freddie are loan terms, right? The government backed loans that an individual has the ability to get up to 10 loans Mm -hmm. from Fannie and Freddie. So when you talk about single family, one through four, one through four units, Mm -hmm. right? Is that correct? One through four or is it one through five? Uh, One through four. Once you hit five, then it's commercial. Yeah. 
Yep. So one through four, you can borrow up to up to 10 separate individual properties through Fannie and Freddie, which is the, I would say the most uh, best, they're going to know if that's the right word or not, as far as the, uh, the rates are going to be the most yeah. favorable for those Fannie yeah. and Freddie loans, right? When you step up into the commercial, the five or more units that you can think mm -hmm. of different apartment buildings and things of that sort. That's a totally different world that, that I'm familiar yeah. with, and you might be as well, John, but that's probably, well, like you said, that's probably a conversation for another day. But I just wanted to kind of drive home the idea that folks of realizing that you can get more than one loan uh -huh. on individual real estate, single units up to four units. And then as you pass those uh, expenses onto your tenants, right, they're paying yeah. down your loans. That's where wealth can be built. And it can be built relatively quickly, right? We've, we've talked about it. We've gone down the turnkey route, uh -huh. which we've off, offloaded the, uh, we don't fix and flip personally. At least no, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I, yeah. So, but I know guys and gals that do. And so that we've gone along and invested with them to then there again, that arbitrage we will borrow mm -hmm. at a certain amount. We'll get a return from uh, the investment property and that spread. Not only do we get tax benefits, but we make a profit at the end of the day too. And that's where the magic right. starts to really happen. And exactly. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that idea of the Fannie and Freddie loans and the up to 10, 10 loans per individual. Yeah. So if you're a married right. spouse, if you do them individually, uh, you can get 10 each. So mm -hmm. uh, up to 20. Uh, so yeah. those are, inf that's information that when I was first starting to learn this, I was blowing my mind. I couldn't yeah. even fathom that that was even a possibility. Yeah. Well, and then he was just taking it one step further, like I mentioned before, the single family. And I haven't done this. I personally don't know anyone that has, but in theory, taking that uh, concept, you know, you're married, uh, filing jointly, okay, there's 10 loans uh, from you, 10 loans of your spouse, so you think 20 properties. But back to Fannie, Freddie, quote, single family, they count up to four units. In theory, you could get up to 80 doors or 20 fourplexes, have 80 doors paying you, say, a net cash flow, 100, 200 bucks a month. That might be your freedom number right there. And all the properties are locked in for 30-year fix. The payments are outsourced to your tenants. You know, I'm sure you and I could both share stories of rates during our individual lifetimes, but it's like, you know, rates go up. Okay. I'm still locked in rates go down. Hey, I might be able to refinance, lower my payment, pull out some money, you know, whatever. But the biggest thing is having that 30 year fixed uh, payment versus like you said, commercial uh, might be 30 year amortization or 20 year amortization, but it has a balloon payment in five years. And at the time of this recording, we're, you know, hearing more and more syndicators where like, oh, I'll just refinance when the uh, note comes due in five years. And, oh, I'm at 4% uh, and a half. <laughs> Wait, the math isn't working here. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. So yeah, that's where talking about if, you, if you've got a place to put that capital, that's going to get you that arbitrage, that spread. It's like, how much do you want? It's like, you want as much as you can get. My brother works actually yeah. in the banking business or banking industry, and he doesn't quite understand the conversation <laughs> you and I are having today, which we it's fun kind of uh, poking him a little bit with some information and i'm like he's like yeah he's like you want more i was like yes give me do you have can yeah. i get some more money yeah because i know exactly where to put it <laughs> to make this arbitrage to go out there and yeah. just keep building it right keep building it exactly. so i appreciate all that wisdom john and i hopefully the folks that are listening will get a ton of of uh wisdom from that uh part of the conversation but let's switch gears let's talk about the wealth sure. and freedom nexus as far as your it's like a passion project for you right you're as you can tell folks John is like a wealth of knowledge. And when we met and he was like pouring into me as far as what 
he was doing and how he's doing it, but you've gone off and now you're trying to like educate others, right? And you're, and you're getting, yep. uh, having conversations with folks doing things at a very high level. Talk to us a little bit about your podcast and your education sure. that you're trying to provide for others. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, basically, so my brainchild, if you will, uh, this was Jane. Yeah. Early 2020, I started uh, the Wealth and Freedom Nexus uh, website. And that's kind of a mouthful if you're trying to write that down. Uh, just go to my last name, rickgarn.com. It redirects you right to it. So it's a little bit easier. But there I share a number, you know, my story, like I've shared on this podcast, um, links to resources, uh, you know, build it up every single year, but everything from tax strategies to investment opportunities that, hey, if you don't have 10, 20, $50,000 to invest, uh, you know, here's an option to start with $50 or $100. You know, the big thing is just get started. And then from there, I kind of took off, uh, started my Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast in, let's see, November of 2021. Like you mentioned, you were on that. Um, bringing on numerous topics, you know, asset protection, passive income stream. And I came up with a name that, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, where'd you come up with Wealth and Freedom Nexus? Going down the rabbit hole when you're trying to find a domain name of, you know, what's available and okay, someone's got this banked for $15,000 and I'm not paying $50,000. So it's a, kind of a guessing game like, hey, this uh, domain's available. But I looked at it where I know a lot of people that are very wealthy. They're very high income earners, you know, whether they're an attorney, a doctor, a uh, sole proprietor, and they have a lot of money coming in their lives or they have a lot. But the second they stop working, they don't have that. It's like a hard stop. And in order to keep that going, they still need to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They don't really have freedom, but they have wealth. Likewise, I look back and I'm sure you can relate when you were a kid or when we were kids, uh, go to school and then you got three months in the summer. You know, you don't have bills. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. You really have a lot of freedom. You can ride, you know, hop on a bike, go to a friend's house, do whatever you want for the three months or nights and weekends. But we didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of uh, wealth at that time. I look at it where, you know, the nexus is a connecting point of wealth and freedom. The only way to truly get that is to have passive income. Like I say to my, um, it's actually my friend that does the voiceover, you know, equity doesn't pay the bills, uh, retirement savings don't pay you now. And I don't care what, do what job you have, what side hustles you do, or work two, three jobs. There's only 24 hours in a day. You are limited to 24 hours in a day but there's no limit to how many passive income streams you can have and what you can set up. So my goal with the podcast is try to narrow down all the information I've gleaned over the last, you know, coming up on a decade now, you know, what worked, what didn't. Um, I'm still learning. I come across numerous topics every day, uh, every week. In fact, I got one dropping, uh, I think end of August, maybe early September, somewhere in there, uh, subscribe so you don't miss it. But it's a uh, topic on how you can lease and make a passive income stream on your precious metals if you have gold and silver. And I didn't even know that existed. So was, I'm far from an expert. I just learned about it as well. So while I'm educating others, I'm you know learning as well. And then uh, one final note on that. Uh, right now, it's a YouTube-only show, but I'll be uh, releasing this in podcast format as I hashtag screw the W-2 show, which you've been on as well, Randy, where I kind of coined that phrase where, you know, the W-2, it's the most restrictive, the highest tax, and where I look at the wealth and freedom nexus is more of the educational piece 
I thought the Screw the W-2 is more of the inspirational piece, piece, you know, talking to entrepreneurs, investors, what were their challenges? What was it like to make that leap to become a business owner and hopefully inspire others? It's like, you know, I'm tired of this job. I'm tired of running on the hamster wheel. I'm going to go full bore into whatever it is I want to do with my life. And it all starts with education, right? You mentioned exactly. more than once, right? It's been about a decade for you and it's been about that long for me as well. About 2007 and eight when the last time around was going going around for okay. the economy is about when I got my light bulb moment. So yeah, it's it's but it's an ever evolving thing, right? To learn. Yep. It's like the gold and silver. We didn't even touch base with that. That's something that <laughs> no. I'm uh, super passionate about. Maybe that's a discussion we can have. If, if I'd love to have you back on, maybe we can get into more details about that as well. Uh, sure. but that's, you know, understanding what the difference between real money versus paper notes, right? You, yeah. you mentioned that earlier, as far as the yeah. reserve <laughs> note, uh, folks, if you, if you take any dollar bill that you have, doesn't matter the denomination and look at it, it's a federal reserve note. And if yeah. you learn what that means, that means that that, that paper is debt. Yeah. We won't get into that today. We're <laughs> towards the end of this conversation, but I just wanted to throw that out there as well, that, that that's, those are the conversations when you get yourselves in the room, when you tie yourselves and, and get connected with folks like John, uh, we mentioned Russell Gray a few times on this, this podcast and the real estate guys. Yeah, I learned a lot of my information from them. So the real estate mm -hmm. guys radio show, it's a podcast. Uh, subscribe to them as well. Mm -hmm. It's a, you will learn. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose at the beginning. And I get that. Yeah. Right? Even, even this conversation was maybe that way for some folks as well, but the point is, is that once you start putting the dots together, the pieces, right? It's just puzzle pieces, learning what mm -hmm. different terms mean. It's like, they're again, understanding that the word note on your, your paper dollar bills represents debt. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that. No one yeah. ever told me that, but that's very important to know when it comes <laughs> to understanding wealth and currency and money. Mm -hmm. So John, yeah, I knew that this conversation was going to be a lot of fun. We could go on and on and on. You made reference a few times to your podcast, but I just want to get open up the floor one more time. Can you tell everybody a little bit more as far as where they can uh, learn more from you and where they connect with you? Uh, what are the best sure. places to do that? So uh, like I said, the easiest way is just go to rickgarn.com. That goes to uh, right my website, uh, you know, my podcast, my YouTube channel, my resources. I'm constantly updating that every single year and currently have a laundry list of updates to go to my webmaster. So maybe by the time this drops, so those updates will be up. Search for my name. Uh, last little interesting tidbit. There's only three or three Rick Garns in the entire world. So I'm not hard to find on Facebook, LinkedIn. You know, I'm not a you know, John Smith or anything like that. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm not too hard to find. I love that. So that's where I'm learning so much even about you that I didn't know, John. I mean, I, I felt like I knew you pretty well, but as far as your, your parents' experience, which was very similar to mine, your work experience, which is very similar to mine, and then Rick Garn, three in the world? Is that what you just yep. said? Three in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's a, a longest story that I can, or a short way I can uh, condense that. My great-grandfather immigrated from Germany changed his name. Uh, they think it was originally like Reitgarn or Reitgarten or something. Uh, didn't share much about his family. It sounded like they didn't leave on the best terms. Uh, came over or came to the U.S., uh, married my great-grandmother, had my uh, grandpa, uh, only child, uh, Henry, and then he had three kids, uh, my dad, my uncle Ralph, and then my aunt Marge. Uh, Marge never had kids. Ralph 
had an only child, the daughter. So obviously the name changes. And then my dad had, my mom and dad had me. I was born an only child. Uh, my parents passed away. My aunt and uncle passed away. My aunt Marge is still alive, but obviously she had her name changed. So yeah, it's just myself, my wife, and my son Ronald now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Ronald is, is the next son, right? So at least it'll carry, continue yeah, on at least yeah. one more generation. So, yeah, that, that's exactly. Cool. I didn't realize that so. as well. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that too. That's a pretty yeah. cool way to wrap up the wrap up the episode today. So folks go out there. And the, the one thing that I really pound the table on as far as when I talk with with uh, folks here, you were here on the podcast is get yourself educated. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be, like I said, your, your feeling of drinking from a fire hose. I get that at the beginning. But once you learn some basic concepts, get yourself around some some really smart people. That's yeah. been the best part. The experience that I've had as well is that you can ask as many questions as you want. And those, those folks will answer them until you get it right. Yeah. They will go over and they're, they're more than welcome to share anything they can to help you understand mm -hmm. uh, the different things that we're talking about here on this episode today. So go out there, follow John, uh, rickgarn.com. I love that three in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. That. Nice so having a unique unique name yeah and then uh yeah you can find me on twitter you can find me on, i'm more active on youtube and instagram but i uh tweet some things and maybe one last final thing i only have about 2300 followers but dave ramsey uh took it upon himself to block me on twitter actually so <laughs> i didn't know that either that's awesome yeah. so, so anyway so i don't know what exactly get, i did but <laughs> yeah help john get above 2300 let's let's push for 25 3000 right so go out Sounds there good. follow john uh, rickgarn.com uh, get yourself educated work towards getting some freedom in your life and it all comes with financial education uh, start there and hopefully you found some uh, value in this episode today so go out there make it a fantastic day and until the next episode folks bye now thank you for joining me on the rich mind podcast i hope you found a ton of value in this episode if so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review, and you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends.